0: With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA, or Stride Bank N A, members of FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. This Washington Post Live podcast is presented by AT&T Business, keeping your business connected today and building it for tomorrow with 5G on America's best network. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Representative Hakeem Jeffries joined the Washington Post to discuss the issues driving the 2020 election ahead of the Democratic National Convention. Let's listen. Good afternoon. Welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Jonathan Capehart, opinion writer for the Washington Post. Well, tonight is the kickoff of the Democratic National Convention, which was supposed to be in Milwaukee, but instead it is gone has gone virtual because of COVID-19. And who better to give us a kickoff viewpoint and a curtain raiser of the convention, but also the priorities of the Democratic Party than one of its rising stars, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries of New York, who is also chairman of the Democratic Caucus. C- uh, Congressman Mr. Ch- I'm sorry, Mr. Chairman, welcome to Washington Post Live. There is a lot to talk about. And so I just want to jump right on in and say, let's go to the post office. Well, thank you,
1: uh, Jonathan. It's great to be with you. And certainly, you know, the post office and the attacks that we have seen by President Trump and his henchmen have been heinous and part of a continuing criminal conspiracy, in my view, to undermine our free and fair elections. It all started in 2016 when Russia interfered in our election. And as Bob Mueller documented, that interference was welcomed knowingly by the Trump campaign as part of Russia's effort to artificially place him at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. The conspiracy continued when Trump corruptly abused his power by soliciting a foreign government, Ukraine, to target an American citizen, Joe Biden, as part of his effort to cheat in the 2020 election and withheld $391 million in military aid from a country under attack in order to do so. And now it's continued in the middle of a pandemic with the attack on the post office. And so we've gotta see the bigger picture to understand the severity and intensity of the diabolical scheme that has been in place and we will stop it. We will push back against it. And as John Lewis would often say to us, we shall overcome.
0: Okay, you, you threw out a lot there in that first answer, and I want to talk about the forest before we dive into the trees, that is, the, the what's happening at the post office. You called, you said that this is a criminal conspiracy, you just called this um, a, a diabolical scheme. You were one of the impeachment managers, uh, President Trump has already been impeached. Do you think that what is happening, given what you just said, what's happening is treasonous, or even... Impeachable again of the President of the United States?
1: Well, I don't want to use those phrases so close to an election uh, because basically, when the Senate Republican majority failed to do its responsibility, though we predicted on the floor of the Senate that more were to come if President Trump were unleashed by the Senate by failing to hold him accountable and throwing him out of office, uh, we decided at that point when the Senate failed uh, and was missing in action and doing its duty, that this is going to be before the American people. And so that's why this convention is so incredibly important. We're going to articulate a forward-looking vision uh, for making life better for everyday Americans, for providing real leadership in the context of a pandemic. That's what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to do. That's what the Democratic Party and the House and the Senate will be about. Uh, But certainly the attacks on our democracy are troubling. Because it seems like Donald Trump is intent on artificially
0: ensuring his reelection. And so you think that what the president is doing, well, let me put it this way. Do you think that so far the president has been successful in sowing doubt about the November elections, given all of his attacks, not only on the post office and mail in voting, but just about the result, the potential results themselves?
1: Well, there's a fraction of the country that I believe uh, former Republican Senator Bob Corker described as a cult. That's his words, not mine. And I guess the cult like quality is that you believe whatever the leader says. So without question, there will be some segment of the country uh, that no doubt will continue to follow Donald Trump down a rabbit hole. But the American people are fundamentally good, fundamentally righteous, fundamentally just. And I believe that the overwhelming majority of the American people uh, believe in the peaceful transition of power, in the free and fair elections, in the integrity of our democracy. That's why, Jonathan, you're seeing so much outrage throughout the country, Democrats, Republicans, and independents demanding uh, that we stop the attacks on the post office and ensure that they can continue to function as they normally do, and also provide the opportunity for people to be able to vote by mail in the midst of a deadly pandemic.
0: You know, on Sunday, you sent out a tweet. I want to to read it. Um, The HEROES Act allocates $25 billion to save the post office. House Dems passed the bill on May 15th. Senate Republicans have been missing in action for three months. End your vacation. Pass the HEROES Act now. Now that the concerns of funding of the post office has grown as a campaign issue, do you think— Senate Republicans will step up and work with Democrats to get a bill passed? Well, that remains to be seen. I'm
1: certainly hopeful. Uh, But as you know, Jonathan, we'll be back in Washington this weekend in an emergency session called by our Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, to put legislation on the floor that we expect will secure support from all of the Democrats and perhaps some Republicans to put the post office back on the right track. To guard against the incredible intrusion that is taking place uh, and to work toward making sure they can be fully funded. You raise an incredibly important point. On May 15th, House Democrats passed the HEROES Act, a $3 trillion plus intervention to try to deal with the pain, suffering, and death that the American people are experiencing as a result of the COVID 19 pandemic, both a public health crisis and an economic crisis that has cost the lives of over 165,000. Americans. More than 5 million Americans have been infected and counting. Over 100,000 small businesses have permanently closed. More than 55 million Americans uh, have lost their jobs and have filed for unemployment for the first time. That's extraordinary. And President Trump's response has been an unmitigated disaster. And so has the Senate Republican response from Mitch and the boys. That's why we need competent leadership. That's why we need people like Joe Biden who recognizes that in the midst of an extraordinary pandemic, we need an extraordinary legislative response. That's what the House did three months ago. And so we'll be back in session this weekend. The Senate should come back, and let's work this out on behalf of the post office, which is one of the few institutions Actually mentioned in the United States Constitution.
0: So, so Congressman, um, yes, you're coming back into special session. You're doing that on Saturday. The focus is on the post office, and the American people are concerned about what's happening with the post office. But what will there be any action taken on, you know, unemployment benefits and all those other things where you know those benefits have have run out. Uh, you guys in the House, Democrats in the House and the president are at loggerheads over what to do and how much. In fact, the president hasn't even been at the negotiating table. So what do you say to the American people who might be watching who say, um, great about the post office, but what about me and my needs? I've got bills coming due and my unemployment has run out.
1: That's a great question. First of all, isn't it time for Donald Trump to get off the golf course Like, really? How many times is he going to spend weekend after weekend after weekend, most recently in New Jersey at his golf club, promoting the lifestyles of the rich and shameless while the American people are suffering? This is not complicated. We acted in May to provide another round of direct stimulus payments to the American people of up to $6,000 per family of five. We extended the emergency unemployment insurance benefit of $600 per week into next year. We allocated approximately $175 billion in assistance for tenants and homeowners who are struggling to pay their rent and their mortgage. We set aside about $8 trillion for assistance to state and local governments whose budgets are cratering. And as a result, that would jeopardize public safety, public health, public education, public transportation, public sanitation, and the provision of public services so critical to the American people. And so, Speaker Pelosi has been clear. We believe a $3.4 trillion intervention is what is necessary, but we recognize that we're in an era of divided government. Senate Republicans are in control on the other side of the Capitol, and Donald Trump, for the next several weeks or months, will be the president of the United States of America. And so we gotta find common ground. We offered to come down by a trillion if they were willing to come up by a trillion. What we've heard from them is crickets, as if they want to wish this whole virus away. Let's make it clear. Even if there were only 15 cases in February, which was probably one of the 20,000 lies that Donald Trump has told over the last three and a half years, it certainly did not go down to zero. It's over 5 million. And so we remain ready to find the common ground necessary. I'm here in Washington right now. We just need negotiating partners who are serious about doing something for the people.
0: Now, in the past, the negotiating partners have been the Speaker of the House, the Senate Minority Leader, Chuck Schumer, um, the Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, and the White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows. Should Should the negotiations now include Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, And the president himself, can the negotiations that you're talking about proceed without one, if not both of those men, certainly the president? Well,
1: with respect to uh, the president, his involvement is probably counterproductive at this point because he's always- More counterproductive than Mark Meadows? Well, you know, Mark Meadows is a former colleague of mine, but he's never actually met an agreement that he likes. He he has spent his time, and Speaker Pelosi has indicated, blowing up agreements. But to be fair, Secretary Mnuchin, on behalf of the administration, has been the primary negotiator on behalf of the Trump administration in the four previous agreements that we reached, including around the CARES Act, which was a significant intervention in March. And so I have a reasonable degree of confidence that he is the appropriate person on behalf of the administration to be at the negotiating table. To the second part of your question, I do think at some point, Mitch McConnell needs to get off the sideline and commit to doing something. The problem is, for the last couple of months, he's been throwing hand grenades from the floor of the United States Senate, saying things like, states should just declare bankruptcy. Really? That's a morally bankrupt idea that would send the economy into a death spiral. It's ridiculous, and it was rejected out of hand. And then, of course, he's been talking about giving corporations, multi-billion dollar companies, blanket liability protection while the American people are dying. That makes no sense. And we've rejected that as well. However, if Mitch McConnell decides to be a productive participant, then theoretically that could be a good thing. But as long as he's just interested in throwing hand grenades from the Senate floor to try and blow up agreements, uh, then his involvement is probably not something that would advance the ball.
0: All right, let me let me bring you back to the post office and 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 back to the special um, session uh, this weekend and the focus on the on the post office. What specifically will you be discussing in terms of the postmaster general and the actions that really had had ignited fear? Um, among the American people, in terms of removing post boxes and sorting machines uh, around the country, will there be discussions about curbing the actions of the Postmaster General? Uh, yes,
1: absolutely. It's my expectation that the legislation will be reduced at some point in the next 24, uh, or released at some point in the next 24 to 36 hours. Uh, and so we'll be able to review the full contours of it. It's going to be led uh, by Chairwoman Carolyn Maloney of the Oversight Committee, which has primary jurisdiction over the Postal Service, and uh, we'll all have an opportunity to make the case with particularity to the American people. Uh, but we are going to constrain their ability to engage in the type of shenanigans that we've seen. That includes the removal of postal boxes. That includes the uh, prohibition on overtime. Uh, that includes the removal of sorting machine, That includes the changing of work schedules to try to slow down the processing of the mail. Every single part of the systematic attempt to dismantle the post office in advance of the November 3rd election, we will deal with decisively and constrain it legislatively. Uh, We also are going to hear from the Postmaster General on Monday, uh, he has agreed voluntarily, avoiding the need to issue a subpoena, to appear before Congress and the American people on Monday, August 24th, where he will be compelled to explain his actions to the American people. That will be another important moment. Uh, lastly, I think as you know, Ted Lu and myself, who are members of the Judiciary Committee, sent a letter uh, to FBI Director Christopher Wray yesterday asking the FBI to open a criminal inquiry into whether the Postmaster General has broken federal criminal laws by deliberate interference with the delivery of the mail. Um,
0: will Will the Postmaster General be under oath at that hearing on Monday?
1: Uh, yes, it's, it's
0: my expectation that he will be
1: under oath. Uh, along with, or as is the practice for every
0: other member of the Trump administration who comes before the House, and then you mentioned the name of Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, who's leading the um, the, the oversight of the Post Office. You know, she's been the focal point of 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for criticism. Of her election, most recent primary election, where the president says, look at New York, look at Carolyn Maloney. Her election should be redone because mail-in ballots were the, was the reason why it took weeks for there to be a final determination in her election. Does the president have a point?
1: Uh, no, he doesn't. You know, New York was the epicenter of the pandemic, and because of great leadership from Andrew Cuomo and the will of the, Amer- of the American people, of course, but certainly those New Yorkers who banded together uh, to flatten the curve in an incredible fashion. Uh, but in the midst of the pandemic, the governor and the state legislature had to realign our election system in short order. And there was an overwhelming number of people who participated uh, through the voting process That had been set forth in terms of mail and no excuse absentee voting. Uh, And so it took a little time because the race was particularly close as it relates to the congressional contest that Chairwoman Maloney eventually prevailed in. Let's take a step back from what the president is suggesting. He just requested an absentee ballot in connection with tomorrow's primary in Florida, where thankfully, Uh, He's now a resident of that state. The president regularly votes by mail. The vice president voted by mail this year. The attorney general voted by mail. Why should we deny the American people the opportunity to do the same? We should not. And in the HEROES Act, we include $3.6 billion in election security grants that can be distributed to the states to ensure the smooth implementation of early voting. Same day voting with adequate poll sites and mail in voting that can be universally available to everyone. That is building upon the $400 million that we included in the CARES Act in election security grant.
0: All right, you brought up his name, Attorney General William Barr. And, you know, with all the talk about safety and security over the election, you asked him during a House Judiciary Committee hearing on at the end of July about what happens. If President Trump loses and then refuses to leave office on January 20th, 2021, do you consider that a serious possibility? Well, I think that anything is possible
1: with this particular president because norms do not constrain him. He is a wannabe dictator with authoritarian tendencies. I mean, I think we've seen that over and over and over again during his tenure. And that's highly problematic and so I think we all feel compelled to make sure that we ask every single cabinet official who comes before us, what are they going to do? If Donald Trump loses the election on November 3rd but refuses to leave office on January 20th. In particular, it's going to be important for the Department of Defense and for the military to be prepared to do the right thing because they've taken an oath to the Constitution, not to any one person. We are a nation of laws and not men. And so I think we're gonna continue to talk about the, the sanctity of the peaceful transition of power that is part of the character and essence of our democracy here in the United States of America. Democrat to Republican, Republican mm-hmm. to Democrat, mm-hmm. Democrat to Republican, that's who we are. And we can't allow Donald Trump to break that up.
0: Okay, and so having said that, were you then surprised that Attorney General Barr when you asked him the question said, "quote, if well, if the results are clear, I would leave office." You were asking him, the Attorney General, if he were to if he would leave office at the end at the end of the term? if the President lost the election. Were you surprised that the Attorney General of the United States would not say unequivocally that he would?
1: I was pleasantly surprised that he provided a somewhat direct answer that he would leave. Although of course, as the Attorney General often does, he's a very slick character, provided himself some room that I didn't have the opportunity unfortunately to explore during my five minutes of questioning. Uh, that if the elections are clear. However, along with Chairman Nadler, we have sent him a follow-up letter and asking him, tell us what circumstances you think would not be clear. Hmm. We think the American people are going to decisively vote Donald Trump out of office and re-elect Joe Biden, but we want him to tell us what circumstances he thinks uh, aren't clear, and we're going to make sure we get an answer from him.
0: Well, let's talk about Joe Biden and his newly selected running bait, Senator Kamala Harris of California. Um, your reaction to, to her selection? Well, it was a tremendous pick. Uh, Joe Biden
1: had a phenomenal group of women to choose from uh, who were incredibly well qualified, intellectually powerful, spiritually grounded, hardworking. Uh, and would have been great assets to the ticket. But uh, Senator Harris was a phenomenal choice. Uh, She's got great experience at every level of government. You know, as as a district attorney in San Francisco, at the local level, of course, as the attorney general in the largest state in the union in California, where she did a tremendous job, and most recently as a United States senator. I've worked closely with her on a variety of issues, including criminal justice reform, where she was instrumental in helping to pass the First Step Act as well as the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, where she was one of the primary architects. Those are just two examples of type of legislative acumen uh, that I think Senator Harris will bring to a Biden administration. Uh, But I also think she's a dynamic presence on the campaign trail. Uh, She will help electrify the ticket in a way uh, that will increase the likelihood that Joe Biden will be the 46th president of the United States of America.
0: And do you believe that because Kamala Harris is is Black, she identifies as Black, but she's also Indian American, do you think that the, the participation among the Democratic Party faithful will increase because one of their own is on the ticket? Well, I think
1: this is a moment right now where personal narrative really matters. Authenticity, uh, matters in terms of one's own life experience, uh, and Senator Harris uh, has lived a life uh, that many people within the African American, Caribbean American, uh, South Asian community can relate to. You know, including her time at a historically black college and university, uh, Howard University. I can't say that it's top uh, black college out there because my brother <laughs> went to Morehouse, and I'd get in trouble. Uh, I but knew the rivalry one, was going
0: to um, it's going to rear its head.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but certainly, uh, you know, an incredibly prestigious university, uh, regardless of race, but uh, but one of the most important historically black colleges and universities. She's an AKA. Um, and I just think that a lot of people can relate to her and her journey. And that can't help but excite people, not just to go out and vote, uh, but to go out and volunteer and to encourage your family and your neighbors and your friends to participate in this election and vote like we never have before.
0: You know, that was actually one of the things I was seeing on my Twitter feed and reading in comments that African-Americans, particularly black women, were saying, um, you better pick a black woman because that will be the difference between my putting pedal to the metal and not only just voting, but phone banking, taking people to the polls. And if you don't do it, I'll just, I'll just vote. You know, one, Congressman, one speed bump um, that keeps coming up, came up during the primaries and the the Trump campaign has been trying to make an issue of it. And that is Senator Harris's uh, background as attorney general of California, but also as district attorney, and her past as a prosecutor. Do you think, or actually, what would you say to people out there for whom, her her record as a prosecutor is one that gives them pause. Well,
1: you know, I'm not that familiar with the individual particular cases that seem to have been brought up by her political opponents, in this case, Donald Trump, uh, to try to sully her record. Uh, because I believe overall, uh, she, particularly at the moment in which she was district attorney and then transitioned into the attorney general, Is both the chief law enforcement officer for that city or that state, and she's got responsibility. But I believe she did it uh, in the best interests of those involved and was a fair prosecutor in all instances. I think most importantly, when she transitioned from being the attorney general to a United States senator, if you look at her record, she has continued to stand up communities of color for the least for the lost and for the left behind for the poor the sick and the afflicted and the most vulnerable amongst us and as i indicated jonathan her leadership on both criminal justice reform and police reform has been extraordinary
0: you know there have been a lot of polls that have come out uh, just in the last 24 48 hours some showing uh, Vice President Biden's lead down to four points, others showing that it's either not 10 points or 11 points. For for Democrats out there who are, you know, fraidy cats when it comes to polls and uh, will freak out when inevitably those polls shrink, give them a bit of a pep talk for when that day comes, when the polls re- all of the polls really do show a tightening of the race.
1: Well, first of all, You know, in Brooklyn, we say there are only two ways to run, run scared or run unopposed. And the fact that we are not opposed, we should be running scared. And we saw what happened in 2016. If we do not proceed with the type of intensity necessary to defeat this existential threat that's currently sitting at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. But I will say that I believe that when we took back the House of Representatives, in 2018, and we won governor's races in places like Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, that what we have seen throughout the country and certainly in key battleground states, is that the American people began two years ago to say enough. And that was before Trump's corrupt abuse of power with respect to the Ukraine scandal that resulted in his impeachment. That was before the pain, suffering, and death that resulted from the COVID-19 pandemic and his response, which was an unmitigated disaster. That was before he failed to provide leadership at a moment of reckoning for systemic racism, which has been in the soil of America for 401 years, triggered by the brutal killing of George Floyd. And so I think the case he continues to make by his own failures— And the case that Joe Biden and Senator Harris will make this week with a forward-looking vision for everyday Americans to create prosperity in every single zip code, regardless of race, regardless of region, regardless of religion, uh, will be enough if we put in the work to end our long national nightmare on November 3rd. And the American people will say two words to Donald Trump that we've
0: all been waiting to hear. You're fired. Congressman, I can't let you go. In the minute that we have left, I introed you as a rising star in the Democratic Party. You know, next year there's a mayor, there's a mayor's race. You know, Mayor Bill de Blasio is term limited. He can't run for a for another term. Are you contemplating perhaps maybe running to be the mayor of the Big Apple? Well, you know. Uh, My mother doesn't
1: get too much involved in the politics that I've been engaged in for the last uh, couple of years. But she said under no circumstances am I to run for mayor. And so I think that, you know, I'm focused right now on winning uh, these elections that are in front of us and growing the majority in the House and flipping the Senate uh, and winning the presidency and then getting to work by governing when there's a, a, a trifecta of alignment on behalf of the American people on January 20th.
0: All right. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. Congressman Hakeem Jeffries of New York, chairman of the Democratic Caucus. Thank you very much for coming on Washington Post Live. Thank you, Jonathan. Always great to see you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com. Hopefully this is the last time you hear this ad, because with Chime
1: Checking Account,